That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Monday, October 21st, 2019. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, it's Review a Palooza Day with Surface Reviews and Pixel 4 Reviews. Also, Facebook announces a new disinformation initiative, Microsoft announces a secured core PC initiative, and Twitch wants in on the watch party action. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Facebook today announced some major new initiatives to combat questionable content, especially around elections and other political events. First, Facebook is now requiring some page owners to disclose the organizations running those pages and if they are tied to state-owned media, quoting the Washington Post. We have a responsibility to stop abuse and election interference on our platform, the company said in a blog post. But the suite of policy and product fixes is unlikely to end the growing dispute over Facebook's handling of political ads, particularly from President Trump, that contain falsehoods. Facebook's decision against fact-checking or blocking those ads which Mark Zuckerberg, the company's chief executive, defended in an interview with The Washington Post last week, has drawn sharp rebukes from Democratic presidential candidates who have accused Facebook of profiting from lies, end quote. Along with this news, Facebook said it had removed four networks of accounts, three from Iran and one from Russia for the usual inauthentic behavior charges. Also, Facebook announced it will more prominently label content that fact-checkers deem false on both Facebook and Instagram and will add new labels to pages that it knows are being run by state-owned media, quoting Facebook itself. Over the next month, content across Facebook and Instagram that has been rated false or partly false by a third-party fact-checker will start to be more prominently labeled so that people can better decide for themselves what to read, trust, and share. The labels will be shown on top of false and partly false photos and videos, including on top of stories content on Instagram, and will link out to the assessment from the fact checker. Much like we do on Facebook, when people try to share known misinformation, we're also introducing a new pop-up that will appear when people attempt to share posts on Instagram that include content that has been debunked by third-party fact checkers. In addition to clearer labels... We're also working to take faster action to prevent misinformation from going viral, especially given that quality reporting and fact-checking takes time. In many countries, including the U.S., if we have signals that a piece of content is false, we temporarily reduce its distribution pending review by a third-party fact-checker, end quote. And back to quoting Tony Rahm in the Washington Post, quote, Facebook's announcements arrive two days before Zuckerberg is set to appear on Capitol Hill, where lawmakers are likely to press him on the company's work to safeguard U.S. elections from foreign manipulation, end quote. Microsoft has announced what it is calling the Secured Core Initiative for PCs, a program for vendors like Dell and Lenovo and others to help them adhere to security best practices for better firmware attack protections. Quoting VentureBeat, Microsoft partnered with chip and computer makers to apply, quote, security best practices of isolation and minimal trust to the firmware layer or the device core that underpins the Windows operating system, end quote. 
Secured Core PCs will be available from Dell, Dynabook, HP, Lenovo, Panasonic, and Surface. Microsoft hasn't released a full list of secured Core PCs, but two examples include HP's Elite Dragonfly and Microsoft's Surface Pro X. Firmware is used to initialize the hardware and other software on the device. The firmware layer runs underneath the OS, where it has more access and privilege than the hypervisor and kernel. Firmware is thus emerging as a top target for attackers since the malicious code can be hard to detect and difficult to remove, persisting even with an OS reinstall or a hard drive replacement. Microsoft points to the National Vulnerability Database, which shows the number of discovered firmware vulnerabilities growing each year. As such, secured core PCs are designed for industries like financial services, government, and healthcare. They are also meant for workers who handle highly sensitive IP, customer, or personal data that poses higher value targets for nation-state attackers, end quote. Twitch is testing its own version of Watch Parties, a feature that will allow streamers to screen prime video content that their viewers can watch along with so long as they are also Prime Video subscribers themselves, quoting Slashgear. The feature test was recently shared by Twitch streamer Travis Schreffler, as spied by Engadget, in a series of screenshots on Twitter. According to an email sent by Twitch to select streamers, the new Watch Parties feature offers, quote, a selection of Prime Video movies and TV shows for streaming on one's channel. Viewers can watch these movies and TV shows alongside the streamer, but only if they are a Prime subscriber. The company specifies that Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, Mission Impossible Fallout, and Pokemon are among the content that can be streamed in watch parties right now, end quote. Today is basically review embargo day for all of the hardware announcements we've had this month. So let's start with a quick roundup of the Surface reviews. Reviewers seem to think that the Microsoft Surface Pro 7 has great performance, is cool and quiet, resumes quickly, has USB-C, but no Thunderbolt 3, no LTE, which is a real head-scratcher to me, and lots of folks were also wondering why Microsoft continues sticking with the same hardware design as they've had for the last several years. Here's Tom Warren in The Verge, quote, The Surface Pro 7 is still best in class, and it's undoubtedly the two-in-one to beat. But there's more that Microsoft could do here. I do wonder if Microsoft has been waiting on Intel to get its act together on 10 nanometer and beyond, and perhaps opted for the Surface Pro X design with Qualcomm instead. Either way, the usability of the Surface Pro 7 has certainly improved with Quick Resume and USB-C this year, but things like the clever Surface Slim Pen that slots into the type cover on the Surface Pro X just aren't here. It's all too familiar. The Surface Pro X looks like it's now attempting to set the stage in terms of raw hardware for competitors to catch up to, and we'll now need to see if the Pro X can even come close to matching the performance of the Surface Pro 7. That's highly unlikely, which will leave the Surface Pro 7 needing to catch up to the design of the Surface Pro X next year, end quote. By the way, no Surface Pro X reviews today, but we do have some for the Surface Laptop 3, at least the 15-inch version. Dan Seifert wondered who the Surface Laptop 3 15-inch is for exactly. Quote, it's not as light and portable as the 13.5-inch Laptop 3, Acer's Featherweight Swift 5, or LG's Gram 15. At the same time, it's not nearly as powerful or capable as many other premium-priced 15-inch laptops, such as Microsoft's own Surface Book 2, 
the Dell XPS 15, Apple's MacBook Pro, or any number of 15-inch gaming laptops, end quote. He concluded by saying this, quote, If you are looking for a 15-inch laptop for productivity, writing, and other modern work-related tasks, the Surface Laptop 3 is an excellent choice, provided you don't need all-day battery life. I really love the display's extra size and its aspect ratio compared to other 15-inch laptops, and the keyboard and touchpad combination are the best you will find on any laptop. The Laptop 3 has the same level of fit and finish as Microsoft's other Surface devices, and it fits right in a modern workspace or coffee shop. It is an excellent thin and light computer for doing productivity work on. Still, if you were hoping that the 15-inch Laptop 3 would be more than just a bigger Surface laptop, I'm sorry to report that you'll be disappointed. Fortunately, there are plenty other... More powerful 15-inch laptops available, such as Apple's MacBook Pro, Dell's XPS 15, or even Microsoft's own Surface Book 2. I don't know if Microsoft needs to make a 15-inch version of the Surface laptop, but it did, and it mostly did a good job with it, end quote. Lumen is the world's first handheld metabolic coach. It's a device that measures your metabolism through your breath. And on the app, it lets you know if you're burning fat or carbs and gives you tailored guidance to improve your nutrition, workout, sleep, and even stress management. My wife and I have been doing this. All you have to do is breathe into your Lumen first thing in the morning, and you'll know what's going on with your metabolism, whether you're burning mostly fats or carbs. Then, Lumen gives you a personalized nutrition plan for that day based on your measurements. You can also breathe into it before and after workouts and meals so you know exactly what's going on in your body in real time. And Lumen will give you tips to keep you on top of your health game. Because your metabolism is at the center of everything your body does, optimal metabolic health translates to a bunch of benefits, including easier weight management, improved energy levels, better fitness results, better sleep, etc. So if you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use RIDE to get $100 off your Lumen. That's L-U-M-E-N dot M-E and use RIDE at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Shout out to Crunch Labs for sponsoring today's episode. Crunch Labs is a very small team of fun-loving design folks and engineering nerds led by Mark Rober, head engineer and former NASA engineer. You have kids? Just ask them who Mark Rober is. They know. Trust me, YouTube science superstar. Crunch Labs has BuildBox, a STEM subscription build-it-yourself box for kids. My boy Max is a subscriber, and I'm telling you, he rips these boxes open and gets to building right away. This summer, Crunch Labs is hosting Camp Crunch Labs, where kids get 12 build-it-yourself toys with one shipped every week. Plus, access to exclusive Mark Rober videos and weekly challenges that help grow kids' brains all summer long. Camp Crunch Labs has weekly challenges that kids get super excited about and fosters their creative thinking. Last year, more than a million people tuned in each week to watch camp and try their luck at the challenges. Worried about your kids' brains turning to mush over the summer? Sign up to Camp Crunch Labs and turn them into little robot-building mad scientists like Max. Right now, you can purchase a limited Camp Crunch Labs subscription and get two boxes free, a $60 value. Just go to crunchlabs.com ride to sign your kids' up for Camp Crunch Labs today. That's crunchlabs.com slash ride. And the Pixel 4 reviews came out this morning. Again, I can give you a quick whip around. The reviews were mixed to meh, I'd say. This is probably the best Android phone out there in a lot of ways, people still seem to think. The camera tech is still top of the line, 
people still seem to think, although maybe not as far ahead of the competition as before. But the hardware design feels pedestrian, and lots of people complained about battery life. Lots of complaints about the 4 not making it through the day. Lots of people saying, if you're going to get a 4, make sure you get the larger 4XL for the longer battery life. In fact, Android Central only rated it a 3.5 out of 5, saying, quote, Let me be clear, I really like the Pixel 4. From morning until mid-afternoon, it's one of my favorite phones of the year. And then around 3 p.m. when the battery indicator drops below 40%, I revisit the frustration of what owning a smartphone was like half a decade ago. The difference is that, unlike then, I don't have to live like that anymore. Most phones, even smaller ones, even ones made by Google, manage to last the whole day and well into the following one. I spent the whole summer with a Huawei P30 Pro and occasionally didn't charge it at night because I knew it would last. For all of the Pixel 4's greatness, it's the first smaller version of the phone I can't recommend. The Pixel 2 saved us from the 2XL's terrible screen. The Pixel 3 ducked the bathtub notch. But... Unless you're absolutely allergic to big phones, the only Pixel 4 you should consider this year is the Pixel 4 XL, end quote. Dieter at The Verge was much more positive, saying, quote, The Pixel 4 provides a more cohesive, complete experience than other Android phones. It takes away lots of little points of friction through clever uses of its new sensors like face unlock and motion sense. It gets rid of jank with the 90 hertz display. It has a camera that continues to take incredible photos, keeping pace with the iPhone 11 Pro. It's not perfect. I'm disappointed by the middling battery life, and I'm baffled as to why Google hasn't tried harder to improve video recording quality. I'm also bummed that Google is pushing people towards paying for its Google One cloud storage instead of offering full quality Google Photo backups or providing more onboard storage. You will find Android phones with better specs, but specs have never been what the Pixel is about. Instead, it's the interplay of the new features on the Pixel 4 that make the whole thing feel more seamless and natural. It's something you can't learn from a spec sheet or a leak. The Pixel 4 is more of a joy to use than any other Android phone, end quote. And actually, I don't have to do a full review roundup because Google gave me a review unit of my own. So here's my take. Note that I've been using the Pixel 4 for the last week, not the 4XL. And I had the white one, not that cool orange one. If I were going to recommend going for a particular color, I'd definitely go for the orange. Seeing that in person last week, that's the one. Frankly, I lean more towards Dieter's overall take. The Pixel 4 is the best Android experience I've had on any Android device I've personally used ever. It's smooth. Everything seems pretty flawless. The screen is great. The ease of the face unlock tech was a revelation. I didn't realize that I kind of really hate face unlock on iPhones until I started using this and realized, yes, I hate it. Motion sense, the ability to wave your hand over the phone to skip songs and the like is gimmicky for now, but I can see once I had that option on a regular basis... I'd probably use it quite a lot. Phones tend to sit on my desk on wireless chargers all day long, popping notifications at me, so waving at the phone to take action on things would be something that I can see becoming routine. Google Assistant, at least on this device, is another revelation to me. I realize how little I use Siri because it just never works. I mean, never. I mean, three attempts just to set an alarm is common, so I really just never try anymore. The amount of things you can ask Google Assistant to do on this phone and have it deliver pretty much every time makes me realize I've been 
bearish this whole time on voice input as a user control paradigm, largely because I've just never regularly used devices that voice control kind of just works on. And speaking of voice, that voice memos app is a miracle, straight up. If I were a college student or a reporter, I can see buying this phone just to get that feature. Though it should be noted, it should be migrating to other Android devices over time. The camera was indeed as impressive as everyone says. I hadn't used a Pixel phone in about two years, so this was my first real time spent with the cameras, and I agree, they are best in class. Portrait mode seems to work better than on iPhones. The night sight mode with that ability to take shaky hands and turn that into a thing that makes the end result photos better is really clever tech. And I do think that the zoom is as impressive as any that I've seen. Check out my Twitter feed because as I scootered in this morning, I took some shots to give you a zoom comparison. Though supposedly that software update to bring deep fusion to the iPhone 11 Pro cameras is coming. I didn't get as terrible battery life as others did, but then I didn't use it all that heavily, to be honest. It felt the same to me, maybe, as my iPhone XS. And speaking of iPhone comparisons, hardware design-wise, the Pixel just feels the same as the current iPhones. Feels the same in the hand, kind of looks the same. I do prefer the Pixel's chin over the iPhone's notch, but I can see that being a personal thing as well. Anyway, bottom line, I'd say this. If you have the money, this is the Android phone I would get. Super solid performance and the pure top-of-the-line Android experience. No skins and other cruft. But that does bring me back to the hardware design for a moment. In terms of sexiness, the phone that impressed me the most this year was the Galaxy Note 10. I came back from that event feeling like the screen and form of that phone, after playing around with it, made my iPhone look like some sort of kid's play school toy. And that comparison would go to the Pixel 4 as well, since, again, I contend that in a lot of ways, you'd have a hard time telling an iPhone and a Pixel apart, design-wise. But if hardware design, sexiness is not your overriding concern, again, for that top-of-the-line camera, the purest distillation of Android, if I were in the market for an Android phone right now today, I would go with a Pixel 4, no doubt about it. I had two conversations with listeners over the weekend that made me want to point out some things that I thought you all knew, but maybe bears reinforcing. First of all, if you listen to this show every day, you do know you can subscribe to it, right? If you mash that subscribe button in your podcast app, the episodes will show up in your podcast app every day without you having to do anything. If you're a regular listener to this show and you've never subscribed to it, please do so helps the show stay healthy and also makes life easier for you and also it was a year ago this week that my book came out we've had a lot of new listeners since then so maybe not everyone is aware but i wrote a book for norton last year called how the internet happened from netscape to the iphone it was five years of research if you like me filling you in on what happened over the last 24 hours in tech then you might enjoy me walking you through what happened in tech over the last 25 years Check it out if you never have. Again, it's called How the Internet Happened. Available wherever books and ebooks are sold. Talk to you tomorrow.